Candace Long with Lessons in the Latter Days, offering biblical commentary to make sense of the times that we're living in. I have a sense of urgency to lay a proper biblical foundation on a topic that is just rearing its head after many years of covert suppression, but one that will likely dominate the news cycles within the next month or so. It concerns the increasing number of UFO sightings by reputable sources throughout the world. Today's topic is the Nephilim UFO Connection, Part 1. Let me just say up front that regarding this topic, I believe three things. Number one, UFOs exist. Their activity will grow and it will scare the crap out of millions of people. Number two, I believe their increased activity is a biblical sign of how close we are to the very end of days. And number three, it is vital to have biblical commentary to make sense of what these UFOs are and how they will impact our lives from now on. If you're new to Lessons in the Latter Days, what I do is is lay a biblical foundation for the difficult stuff we are going through and build upon the insights from earlier episodes. After walking with the Lord for over 50 years and studying the biblical end time since 1990, I am chronicling what it's like to live in this time period before the day of the Lord. So let's look at the questions everybody has about UFOs. What are they? Who are they? And what do they want? Now, the answers are found in the biblical understanding of the Nephilim, the hybrid race created from the union between fallen angels and earthly women. These are half angels, half human. If you have not listened to the episodes on the Nephilim, I encourage you to do so because I will not repeat that material here. And you'll find all the episodes on my podcast page at CandiceLong.com. We have just been exploring how God speaks in dreams, so this is a perfect segue into the UFO discussion. Let me explain. This topic of UFOs has been brewing inside me for many years, inspired by the increasing number of warning dreams that I have had since 2002. I do considerable analysis on what I am shown in dreams. As I've mentioned before, I have about 70 dreams a year, which I analyze and interpret according to Hebraic principles of interpretation. In 2020, I decided to examine two decades' worth of dreams to see if a pattern emerged, because it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that the world as we know it is disintegrating. What I discovered was both alarming and significant. The number of warning dreams during this last decade, over the first decade at the turn of the century, has increased by 400%. Now that made me look more closely at the dreams from 2011 to 2019. And there it was, the year that showed a significant spike in warning dreams when compared to previous years. 
the year of the spike was 2013, and I had 14 warning dreams. So I reread every one of them to find any common denominators. All of these dreams had to do with the invasion of the Nephilim. I want to be totally honest regarding the kind of commentary I'm going to provide for you, for I am not an expert on UFOs. The topic itself is huge. It includes the history of reported sightings, the incident of the crash in Roswell, New Mexico, the secret meetings of U.S. presidents with extraterrestrials and the deals that our leaders made with them. It also gets into the many layers of secret operations and committees who were given oversight of everything to do with alien beings, including endless cover-ups by U.S. intelligence officials and the build-up of Area 51, performing all manner of experiments under still more layers of secrecy. And then there are the murders along the way of people who tried to warn us about what the government is doing with our tax dollars. And let's not forget to include the volumes of research into our solar system, looking for where these beings come from, which is a whole body of work unto itself. What I'm telling you is that there are many, many pieces to this puzzle, and I must admit that I am not an expert on any of them. What I am, though, is a big-picture type person who spots trends and patterns, especially relative to last day's biblical prophecies. The bottom line is this. We've got a powder keg here that is about to blow its lid, and there are critical things that people need to know so as not to be blindsided and confused when it does. So what I've decided to do to tackle this monster of a topic, I'm going to give you a brief narrative consisting of four key events that have unfolded over the years, followed by biblical commentary. This episode will serve as an important backstory for part two, as to how we got into this mess and what, if anything, we can do to help ourselves now. For future reference, you will have access to my resources that I will list in this episode's description on my podcast page at CandiceLong.com. Event number one in this narrative concerns the U.S. officials who opened a dangerous door following World War II. Toward the end of the war, America, along with Britain, teamed up to interrogate German scientists whose facilities were seized by the Allied forces. In their research, they found a catalog of scientists and engineers that had been put to work for Hitler's regime. They ended up creating what came to be known as Operation Paperclip, which involved some 1,600 of these German scientists who were brought to the United States to work on our behalf during the Cold War. Operation Paperclip was run by the newly formed Joint Intelligence Objectives Agency, whose goal was to harness German know-how to help develop our nation's weaponry and make sure that these technologies did not fall into the hands of the Soviet Union. 
Though President Harry Truman initially approved the operation, he forbade them to recruit any Nazi members or supporters. However, the intelligence officials went around the president's directive and eliminated any recriminating evidence of war crimes from these scientists' records. As to commentary, several things stand out to me from this incident. First, Proverbs 26 says, A curse that is causeless does not light. This means that even if Satan himself walked up to the White House and tried to take over the country, if our leaders honored God's ways, nothing Satan could do would harm our people. In other words, there would be no open door for a curse to land on the country because the leaders didn't do anything wrong. Unfortunately, this was not the case with Operation Paperclip. Germany and Marxism represented a godless culture, one that was responsible for killing millions of Jews during the Holocaust. These leaders deserved death according to God's ways. And what our leaders did was to woo these, quote, brilliant minds who in God's eyes were murderers of his people. And we wooed them with promises of lucrative government contracts. Now, by opening this breach and making a deal with the devil, so to speak, we are now reaping the attempted overthrow of our country by Marxist forces. God is not mocked. We are reaping exactly what we sowed long ago. Another development worth noting is that according to my research, Nazi scientists admitted that they were helped by people of other worlds in pioneering rocket design for Nazi Germany during World War II. Now, this very clearly ties the UFO technology with the Nephilim. As you recall from the episode, The Return of the Nephilim, what made them so powerful and so alluring to humans was the secret knowledge they claimed they had on advanced transportation and weaponry. And it was this very technology, the war machines from the heavens, that baited the hook for our leaders in setting up Operation Paperclip. As to what we can do about this now, well, for believers, this is the importance of doing teshuvah, of doing repentance for the sins of our nation and our nation's leaders that we elected. And the Lord holds each of us accountable as to how we handle uncovering what really went on behind closed governmental doors. The second significant event occurred when the UFO crashed in Roswell, New Mexico on July 8, 1947. Again, this was during President Truman's tenure, just shortly after Operation Paperclip was established. Once again, the U.S. military intelligence machine suppressed everything for years. They took all the remains of the spaceship and alien bodies to secret laboratories to study. Scientists began their reverse engineering experiments to develop our own space technology by replication. That year, Truman formed, by executive committee, an entity known as Majestic 12, 
the code name for an alleged secret committee of scientists, military leaders, and governmental officials to facilitate the recovery and investigation of alien spacecraft. One of those original 12 members of MJ-12 was James Forrestal, former United States Secretary of the Department of Defense, whose death and possible murder is an important sidebar which I will share with you shortly. By way of biblical commentary, it is significant to note the timetable of this crash. July 8, 1947. On the Hebraic calendar, that date was the 20th of Tammuz, just three days away from one of the most somber times for the Jews because it represents the time when the walls of Jerusalem were breached by Babylon three weeks before the city and the temple were destroyed. Now, the key word to remember about the month Tammuz is the word breach, which means an open door. Now, to those who are aware of God's timetable, Tammuz is a time set aside to pray for divine protection against any and all breaches that threaten national security. And such a breach occurred on July 8, 1947. Because many of our founding fathers vowed to be faithful to the God of Israel, he sets down his word as a plumb line next to our actions, and he judges us accordingly. First, we hire Nazi scientists who compromised God knows what to learn secret technology from aliens, and we paid them to work for us. And now through the Roswell incident comes a breach of even greater danger, an open door to aliens, to Nephilim. For over 70 years, we have embraced and guarded the technology and physical artifacts of God's enemies on our soil, and we invested billions to ensure our military prowess on the world stage. Interestingly, this same time of Tammuz was when Moses came down from Mount Sinai and smashed the tablets containing the Ten Commandments. Because rather than waiting for Moses to come down with further instructions from the Lord, the people decided to have an orgy and worship a golden calf, which was the symbol of one of the alien gods in the UFO saga. Tammuz is known as a time when enemies attempt to breach our walls of protection, and it was this very time when the aliens landed on our soil. Tammuz is a time of strategic attacks by the enemy to break through where there is weakness. In these two cases, our leaders failed miserably and left us wide open to attack and destruction. Time and again, we tend to choose power, greed, and lust for global dominance. We compromise sacredly held values to get ahead and make deals with every kind of devil, believing the end always justifies the means. The incident in Roswell widened our breach and set us up for what is unfolding today. The third incident involves secret meetings that President Eisenhower held in 1954 
with human-looking aliens at Edwards Air Force Base in California. Eisenhower was accompanied by Cardinal James McIntyre, head of the Catholic Church in Los Angeles, representing the religious community. Also with him were a top economic advisor and a senior reporter to represent the media. According to my records, the aliens offered the president an offer he could not refuse. They offered us unlimited access to the space and aeronautical technology that would guarantee America's dominance as leader of the free world. But there were conditions. The United States would have to agree to two things. Number one, the aliens would be allowed to conduct medical experiments through the abduction of humans and cattle for science-gathering purposes only, and they assured the president that the abductees would suffer no harm, nor would they be able to remember the abductions. And number two, the president would set up a secret organization whose meetings would be attended by the world's most powerful including European prime ministers, American presidents, and the wealthiest CEOs in the world, in order to make decisions regarding the economic and political future of humanity. With this group, the aliens would place their own representatives as leaders of this covert organization, and this led to the formation of the Bilderberg Group in 1954. Supposedly, Eisenhower refused to sign the agreement at first, but finally conceded after threats to his and his family's health and threats by the aliens to take this offer instead to the Russians. Purportedly under great duress, Eisenhower signed the agreement and driving away from the base was reported to have said, I think I've just sold out the American people. Now, regardless of whether all of these details are factual, we can be sure that these abduction experiments have most certainly been conducted in our country over the years. As was reported in an earlier episode, as many as 3% of the U.S. population is believed to have been involved in abduction experiences, whereby abductees were inseminated with alien DNA. Now, that's nearly 9 million Americans in whom was inserted alien genetic material. President Eisenhower lived with great regret. This is found in his farewell speech to the nation in 1961, in which he used a term never before used, military-industrial complex. I believe he was referring to the Bilderberg Group. Here's what Eisenhower said, quote, In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwanted influence, whether sought or unsought by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist, unquote. Now, each of these three incidents alone Operation Paperclip, Roswell UFO crash, and Eisenhower's agreement with the aliens carried with it the power to open a breach to our nation's demise and bring about dire consequences by the Almighty. But we stand guilty of not just one, 
but of all three. The final point I want to bring up in this narrative is the number of deaths that these events have brought about. First was the mysterious death of James Forrestal, whom I mentioned earlier, as a founding member of the Majestic Twelve. The more he learned of the alien influence in our nation, the more disturbed he became. He wanted out. To keep him from blowing the whistle, he was forcibly put in a mental institution, drugged, and pushed out the window to his death. The second mysterious death was Marilyn Monroe. J. Edgar Hoover had insisted that President Kennedy end his affair with her because she knew too much and posed a threat to national security. When he ended it, she became enraged. To get even, she threatened to spill the contents of her secret diary, containing details of the affair as well as Kennedy's involvement with extraterrestrials. And she planned a press conference to spill it all out before the whole world. And she was silenced. The final death was the real reason behind President Kennedy's assassination. He had to be stopped from interfering with covert UFO operations being run by others. The president had been trying to take the oversight away from this military-industrial complex and return it under the control of the office of the president. Again, those the aliens placed in leadership could not allow that to happen. So the question we must answer is who or what controls our government? The biblical commentary is not pretty. It comes straight from the book of Ezekiel after God's people had lost their country and been taken captive by Babylon. The elders came to the prophet asking Ezekiel to inquire of the Lord on their behalf. They were looking for hope and direction. The prophet came before the Lord and he spoke to Ezekiel in chapter 20. Declare to her all her abominable deeds. Sadly, this is today's message for America. But I need to leave you with another message from Leviticus 26. This is for those who may be celebrating, thinking COVID is behind us and everything is fine. This passage tells us that if we do not repent as a nation, God's next discipline will be seven times worse. The Lord is sifting nations and peoples and calling out a remnant who will stand with him. In closing, I want to share a portion of a prayer that originated with our father Abraham. It's called Adon Olam, which means master of the universe. At times like these, we need to declare the greatness of the one we serve. Master of the universe, who reigned before any form was created. At the time when his will brought everything into being, then as king was his name proclaimed. After all has ceased to be, he, the awesome one, will reign alone. It is he who was, he who is, and he who shall remain in splendor. He is one. There is no second to compare to him to declare as his equal. 
without beginning and without conclusion. His is the power and dominion. Thank you for being with me today. If you'd like to refer this episode to others, you will find it on my podcast page under resources at candislong.com. Next time in part two, I will share much more that we need to know to stand strong against the forces that have invaded the soul of our nation. I'm Candace Long. Join me again next time for Lessons in the Latter Days. God bless.